And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hello and welcome to the Common Sense Gospel. I am Danny Simmons. And I'm Kurt Norbert. And we are going to look at this huge question. Is being good, good enough? And the bottom line, what we're trying to figure out here is, will I go to heaven just because I've been good or I've done a lot of good in my life. We appreciate you joining us today and we look forward to our study together. What we're going to do is we're going to start with a man uh, and we're going to call him Uncle Charlie. If there's anyone out there who isn't Uncle Charlie, this is not you. Uh, this is our made up friend uh, or uncle. And we want to tell you a little bit about Uncle Charlie. He really is a, a great man. Um, he has a moral standard that is above reproach, Uncle Charlie. He's been faithful to his wife for over 40 years. Uncle Charlie has received numerous awards from his place of work. He gives blood as often as he is allowed to. He even gave one of his kidneys to a complete stranger to save his life. He's a humble man in all that he does and in all that he says. Charlie has been known to donate his time and money to charities of all kinds. He believes that there is a God and he prays every day. His children and his grandchildren and obviously his nieces and nephews, they all love him dearly. He is the one that they come to for advice because of the great example that he has set. But Uncle Charlie has a problem as we see it today. Uncle Charlie has not obeyed the gospel. Pretty good guy, huh? Yeah, uh, and I, I think I think we, many of us can relate that, you know, as you were positing your, your Uncle Charlie there, I was thinking of my uncle. Ah. And, and he, he's 95 years old now, a widower, and uh, my favorite relative in the family. And he fits a lot of that. Oh, nice. He was, he and his wife, my aunt, were, were involved in the community. He, just good people. Um, but he has never obeyed the gospel. In fact, he's against Jesus. He doesn't like the idea of Jesus. And so, naturally, sometimes I would think, here's this man that's lived a commendable life. He, he only had his one wife. He was faithful to her. She died suddenly of a stroke. He's not remarried. Um, his son died young, my cousin, was 54. So he's faced trials in his life, but he's always had that consistent character. Yeah. But he hasn't obeyed Jesus. And that hurts. Yeah, it does. And so it is, it is a question that we need to look into uh, and answer. Are my good deeds going to be enough? And actually, your Uncle Charlie there uh, kind of reminds us of uh, an individual who actually is in the Bible. Uh, over in Acts chapter 10, there's a, interesting enough, a Roman army officer stationed in Judea there uh, by the name of Cornelius. And God has, just as you described Uncle Charlie there, God has some things to say about Cornelius. Yes, he does. That's a great example. In so Acts 10.1, he says there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man. Now, here's God's view of this man. Right. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. 
So here's, here's our guy. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. exactly what you described. It really is because Charlie believes that there's a God. He prays mm -hmm. every day. Uh, he's got a sense about him, a spiritual sense about him, and he is doing all of these great things. So Cornelius is a perfect fit um, in this moment. And, and that's interesting because when we have questions like this, or what's going to happen to this person, or what does God want from this person after they've done so many good things, Acts 10 lays that out for us that though his alms and prayers have been heard, mm -hmm. uh, he's told by the angel of the Lord that there's something he must do. Yeah. And what does he want him to do? Well, he, he tells him to send uh, over to Joppa, which is a town uh, about a day's journey roughly away. And there's a fellow named Peter who will be there and <laughs> have him come down to your place. And he'll tell you what you need to do. And so... Peter arrives, and interestingly enough, uh, as we were talking to this, Cornelius knows how long it's going to take his emissaries to get up there That's right. and meet with Peter and how long it'll take him to get back. So he knows pretty much when they're going to get there. When they get there, he's got his entire household, and I guess pretty much everybody he knows, ready to sit down and hear. And in fact... Uh, Cornelius says in verse 33, So I sent to you immediately, and you've done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. There's the attitude to look for. That's I right. want to hear what, what God wants me to do. And he said, you're the guy who can tell me. So here we are. What, what do you have to say? And so Peter basically preaches Jesus to him. As you go on down through verse 43, he points to the fact that here's the individual that, that we need to deal with, Jesus of Nazareth, whom God appointed to be uh, the Savior and the judge of the world. Right. And you need to give your obedience to him. And that's exactly what Cornelius does. When we get to the end of the chapter, uh, Peter says, can any man forbid water uh, that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? That's right. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So the way that chapter begins, we've got a great man. He's done wonderful things. He gives alms. He cares about those around him. He prays to God. He fears God. Um, he, he fits Uncle Charlie in a lot of ways. Then the angel of the Lord says, he's gonna, Peter's going to tell you what you must do. Calls for Peter, like you said. Not only there's great excitement and anticipation mm -hmm. for this moment because he gathers everyone he can. That household's full. He says, we are all here, just as you had said, before God yes. to hear the things commanded you by God. And then what's the commandment? I mean, after, after all that Peter says, they need to be baptized. Mm -hmm. And so he obeys the gospel. Now, Cornelius is saved. He's in a saved relationship with the Lord because mm -hmm. the Lord commanded that he do that thing. And, and one other point about this, because it this becomes sticky for us and for those who are listening to us, because you think about somebody you know and you, and you wonder, you know, man, are they going to go to heaven? Sometimes they've already passed and, you, you know, you're yeah. at the funeral and someone says, do you think they made it to heaven? That is such a tough question and it shouldn't be asked of us, honestly, right. because what it, what it does is it moves us into the judgment seat. We know that Jesus Christ is the judge only. Second uh, Corinthians 5 and verse 10, we must all, so that's me and Kurt, we <laughs> must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, 
whether good or bad. 2 Timothy 4.1 tells us that Jesus is the judge. Acts 10.42, Acts 17, Paul says that God has appointed a man to judge the living and the dead. Uh, and, and he has assured us of this by raising him from the dead. So that yep. tells us who the judge is and, and, and what, how God has moved to put Jesus in the judgment seat. Um, so we, we have to be careful about giving this definitive answer of, I know right. what God has done, because we don't. But by the same token, we have the guideline, we have his word that uh, tells us what we must do. And, and that we can, mm-hmm. we can compare those things and, and assess you know, where someone is or might be or may end up. Um, again, not not to be the final judge or to rant and rave about what we know to be true, because it's it's just wrong to to think that you know everything about some other person mm-hmm. when you obviously don't. You know, so it's just not our place. But the question for us today is more about those who may be in this very scenario and need to hear the truth. We, we want them to to pursue this because. They are good people. They've done a lot of good mm-hmm. things. And, and God loves them. He wants them to respond. So we have a man in the Bible who fits this picture beautifully in Acts chapter 10 and really that entire chapter. Um, and another point about this idea about, you know, Uncle Charlie, some people say that, well, he never even went to church. He didn't go inside church doors. Like, what? how can that be his fault that he didn't hear the gospel? And, and I would just say to that question, that God has revealed himself and he's revealed his will to everyone. Mm-hmm. And there's a few passages that deal with that. I don't want to get too far out in front of us. But, uh, well, just, I, as we're looking at some passages, one thing I say, and that, that's a common thing, what, what about the person who hasn't heard? Mm-hmm. Well, in our society, it's going to be difficult to find that person. That's we right. have all heard something about Jesus. So it's, it's really a non-issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Paul in Romans says that in speaking of everyone in the world, he says they are without excuse because God's revealed himself to them. All you have to do is look around at creation. His Godhead, his, his divinity, and his power, Paul says, have been put on display. That's right. It is there. And if a person, all they have to do is acknowledge that, hey, there's... This is here because someone greater than this put it here. It's not an accident. It's, there's too much evidence. It's designed. I need to learn about this one. That's right. All it tells us is his divinity and power. There's a God, and he's powerful. Yep. I need to know who he is. And that's what Paul did in Acts 17. The God that you don't know, I'm going to tell you about. And he he gives them evidence. He's a, He appointed seasons and gave us rain and refreshing you know he, he has blessed us yep. but as you alluded and i think it's in verse 34 he says he's appointed a day in which he will judge all of mankind by the one that he has appointed and he's given us assurance of this in that he raised him from the dead that's exactly right so there there really is no one who has not heard uh, especially in our country country was essentially founded on godly principles. Hmm. Jesus, either erroneously, he's been misrepresented a lot of the time, but
but Jesus has been preached. And so if someone is concerned about their eternal destiny, they have a direction that they know that they need to go in. That's right. It's not that much of a search to find the answers to their questions. That's exactly right. And in Romans 1 is a great example. Uh, verse 19, what may be known of God is manifest in them. God has shown it to them. And, and as you said, as you look around at the creation, we see the nature of his power and his existence. And we are just without excuse. So, so it's passages like that that we, we want to take hold of and realize that Christ is made available to all. Uh, and that comes in different ways. For, for different people, different nations, you know, not, not everyone is as blessed as we are to have as many Bibles as we do and yeah. as many congregations established to, to wander in and to hear the truth, you know, for the first time. But, but we can't, um, well, we can't speak of what God has said has happened. We can't say, oh, no, the whole world hasn't heard. God says, yes, it has. Yeah. I'm just looking at Colossians 1.23 right now uh, where Paul says that the gospel was preached to every creature under heaven. And he repeats that in other places, uh, Romans 16, Romans 10. Earlier in this chapter, verse 6, he said, uh, again, talking about the gospel in verse 5, he says, which has come to you as it has also in all the world. Now, I don't know how that was done. Right. I have some thoughts. That's not <laughs> germane to this. But Paul says, people have heard. Yeah. Enough people have heard, If you know, if we want to start qualifying this if I've heard it and you're living across town and we meet up I can tell you that's right now you've heard that's right so everyone's heard uh, and Paul's the gospel inspired. was proclaimed Paul is inspired these are the words of the Holy Spirit yeah. that's right he's not waiting for reports to come back from different cities to find out whether it's reached he knows by the power of the eternal wisdom of God and reveals that to us. So Colossians 1, that's just phenomenal. Yeah. It's everywhere in all of the world. Um, every creature under heaven has heard the gospel. So we're just not going to argue with the Lord about that. And, and that's important because we don't want to give someone a little corner to live in and say, well, no one's ever shared the gospel with them, and I'm sure not going to do it because I don't, I'm worried they won't obey it if I tell them. You can't operate no. that way. That's not how this works. Um, yeah. If you have a loved one who needs to obey the gospel, tell them that. Mm -hmm. Right. Tell them, tell them you love them. Tell them you're thinking about them. Tell them. Uh, one of the things that appeals to me is there's so many good people in the world that I, I say, I, in my own mind, I can see how you would contribute to the work. You're already doing most of these things. Yeah. But, but it, it, the only way to God, the Father, is through Jesus Christ, John mm -hmm. 14. Yeah. Jesus said that himself. Yeah. No man comes to the Father but through me or except through me. So I. I, you know, in my own mind, again, it's not my place, but I, I do think, boy, if you would just commit to the work, uh, you could do great work for God. You've got a good personality. You've got a good heart anyway, you know. There's some of us Christians are really trying to settle these yeah. issues of anger, and we're going through right. tough things. Some people don't have those uh, mm -hmm. issues. Yeah. And so you just you just wish they would come come around and, and obey the gospel and get, get focused on a work that's eternal. Yeah. And, and, and more importantly than that is not to lose their soul. We, we do care about them. So, well, when, I'm, when I'm asked that question, you know, what about so-and-so who's done so much good? One way I respond is, as we've discussed, I'm not the judge. So you cannot ask me to say yes or no. Right. 
One thing I do know, and it's something that gives me a great deal of comfort, is that our God is merciful. That's right. He wants to save an individual more than anything else. He does not want that person to die. That is reiterated over and over again in both the Old and the New Testaments. Yes, it is. If God can save somebody, he'll do it because that's what he wants to do. The point is, it's not up to what I think I need to do. He's, he's laid out what it is that will be acceptable to him. Right. You know, I, I want to save you, but here's the only way that I can. Yeah. It's through Jesus Christ. And so he has, it, we're not left in the dark here nope. about, oh, well, okay, how, how do I come to God? Or what's the standard of judgment going to be? We've, we've seen that Jesus is going to be the judge. Well, is he going to judge me solely on the works that I've done? Or what's, what's the standard here? What's going to happen? Jesus described it for us. He's, he's told us, I'm the judge. Here's going to be how I judge. Here's why I judge. Here's who will be judged. Everybody. And this here's the standard. So we're not left in doubt. If... If we want to know, are my good works enough, or Uncle Charlie, well, I have the standard to go by. Right. I, I'm, not, I'm not confused on that. Really, it comes down to, do I want to listen to Jesus or not? That's, it's, God has simplified the issue wonderfully for us. Uh, as we were chatting before we came on the air here, uh, I just recently read a book where the point is made that when you look at all the major religions in the world, uh, except for Judaism, there is a place of honor made for Jesus. They recognize him as a great guru or the, the second greatest prophet of God hmm. or you know whatever. They give him a place of honor within that religious system. So they make room for him. But when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me, he does not make any room for anything else but him. There's only one who stands in that place. Yep, there's only one. There's one king, there's one Lord, there's one Savior, there's one judge. He's it. And that's, that's a wonderful thing because God has made it simple for me. I don't have to be confused about all the pictures of Jesus I see that are portrayed in the various religions. No. It's either yes or no to Jesus. That's right. Very simple. Exactly. That's all I have to deal with. Yep. And even in judgment, Jesus tells us there's going to be those who think they had done what what they should have done or enough to please the Lord. They say in, in, in Matthew 7, or he says in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And he goes on to say there's going to be many. Yeah. So, so now we understand there's, there's a lot of people here. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And he's going to say to them, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Why? Because they didn't do the will of my Father in heaven. Yep. These other things they listed are not part of God's will for the individual mm-hmm. Christian. This prophesying in his name, some people had the gift, 
but it's not that requirement of the condition that God sets before all of mankind. They disregarded that, and they still tried to go out and do things in his name apart from him mm -hmm. and apart from his will. And so Jesus says, I never knew you, yeah. which is heartbreaking. It's interesting in that passage, in that description he gives, he doesn't dispute what they did. Right. He just says he worked lawlessness. In other words, you didn't submit to me. That's right. And that's, that's Uncle Charlie. Uncle Charlie has done all these wonderful things. Cornelius had done all those wonderful things. Yeah. The, the one thing he needed to do that God commanded is to submit to Jesus. And men like that deserve the very best in our estimation. You know, they, they deserve the very best because they've done so well. Mm -hmm. And they've offered their own lives uh, for the sake of others. That, that is commendable and it always will be. Problem is, we can't move over into the judgment seat right. and say, well, he's special, that's enough. That's not, Jesus never gives an exception to him being the only way. And, and I think on top of that, suggesting that there is another way, and I'm saying this for those, like, if we think, man, well, I really do want Uncle Charlie to make it, so I think he's, I think he's okay. God, God will see him. Now, God's still going to do what he's going to do, mm -hmm. and that's still up to him. Jesus is the judge. But it's a mistake for me to try to bring my uncle or a loved one into heaven because they were, they were such good people apart from Christ. Because if I say to myself that there is another way, then I've ultimately denied Christ. Right. Yep. You're contradicting what Jesus said about himself. And I think that's, that's really the decisive point. When Jesus says... I'm the only one that you can come to the Father through. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You can either like that or not. Right. That's, that's really, and that's, I think, the rub. Yeah. You, you can have a good heart that, uh, Uncle Charlie, you know, wonderful life. But he's, he just doesn't like that Jesus said that. It's, he's, that's not comfortable for him, whatever. Whatever the, the motive might be, I don't know his heart, but right. he doesn't submit to Jesus. He doesn't acknowledge, yes, you are the way, the truth, and the life. I cannot come to the Father except through you, so I have to establish fellowship with you. And you've showed me what, you, what I need to do to do that. Yeah. So the, now again, you know, really... Uh, when, when the Bible points out to us clearly that Jesus is the judge, in a sense, actually, I'm the judge of me. Yeah. Because Jesus says, I'm the judge, here's why I'm going to judge, and here's how I'm going to judge, and here's what you need to do. When I stand before him, I've already given him everything he needs. I have judged myself. I either submitted to Jesus or I didn't. Yeah. And all he has to say is, here's what you did. And my judgment is based on that. If you confessed me before men, I can confess you before the Father. That's right. If you will not, you chose not to confess me before men, I cannot confess you before you the Father. You have no part with me. Yeah. And so it's just as Jesus said, depart from me. Yeah. None of those good things that they claimed that they did, that Jesus doesn't dispute, helped them. That's right. He says, you did it without authority. That's right. You didn't submit to me, therefore depart. And that it's, a, it's sad to hear that. Yeah. But really, as I said before, it's just that simple.
Yeah, you're right. I appreciate you using the word fellowship too. I was just listening to you give that explanation that we choose to have fellowship with him and, and we, right. we move into that. He wants it, obviously. The yes. price he's paid, he died he's for screaming it. at us, yes. please come to me. But when we step into that by our own free will and, and make a judgment about ourselves, I'm judging appropriately that I, I can't get to heaven without him, that I, there is sin in my life that has not been dealt with. The, it does, it's not that the good outweighs the bad. It's that it has to be washed and cleansed or I cannot stand before a holy and righteous God. Christ, knowing that, has shed his blood so that we can be cleansed. So yes. when you step into that fellowship, you have a relationship. You know, I see that relationship mm -hmm. growing and developing as you're living in this life, knowing that someday our, our life will end and heaven's coming for those who are faithful. So for the one who has a relationship with Jesus in this difficult life that we live, imagine where they are when, when they stand before him, mm. you know, when, it, when it comes. What they've hoped for, what they've lived for, that moment comes. Um, they're ready because they've mm. already had a relationship with him. They're stepping into what they've longed for. Yeah. Paul says those who love his appearing. So it really, it's a really an ugly picture of this person who's like just kind of bumping along down the road doing whatever they think might be right or might be wrong, staying away from those things. And then they die, and all of a sudden they appear before God, and he's like, "Hey, I'm God, and you made it to heaven." You know, that, that's broken. Yeah. Uh, that person never chose to follow the Savior when they had their own free will, mm -hmm. and they had the truth. That's to, right to make the right decision. So I really I like that the fellowship with Him that we step into that by choice, and now that's why He doesn't program us as robots. Because mm -hmm. he would know, even though we were perfectly faithful to him, he would know that it's rigged. Yep. And the relationship's I not real. Set it up that way. Yeah, the relationship is not real. Right. That's a good point. But when we yeah. choose, with the, with the opportunity to sin and do whatever we want, when we choose him, now that's a relationship. Mm -hmm. Because you have both coming into this special moment when both say, I want to belong to you. And I... And he sees that we want to belong to him. It's really a beautiful picture. Yeah, it, and your idea about a robot it sprang another thought in my mind. God wants a loving relationship with us. Absolutely. He loves us so much that he gave his son. He just wants us to love him in return. If he's programmed us for that, that's not love. Nope. Yes, Lord, I love you. Thank you very much. You know, that, that is not love. It's an automatic pre-programmed -pre response. And he would get love, nothing out of it. Yeah, it, right. It's empty. It's yeah. not really a relationship. Love is a choice. I can choose to love God and love Jesus Christ, or I can choose not to. Right. And again, that's, that's really what it comes down to. By your judgment. Yeah. Very interesting. And And it's... You know, we have to be careful, I think, uh, of substituting a different standard because God said through Paul in Romans 3.23, all have sinned right. and fallen short of the glory of God. So everybody's in the same boat. It doesn't matter none righteous. how famous, how powerful, how rich, how good you are. Yeah. You have sinned right. and fallen short of the glory of God. So I hold up my good works to God. What's he say about that? Well, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 64, 6 said, We are like an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. There it is. So that's what I'm offering to God if I have no relationship to him. If I've not submitted to him, 
I bring all my good works, all of my righteousness, righteousnesses before him. He's already told me. Uh, it's not good enough. That's right. That's filthy rags you're putting in front of me. That's not honoring God. And so I've got to be careful. If I say, well, I'm a good person, I'll be okay. I put my standard of goodness over God's standard. Now I'm dictating to him what the standards are, what the decision is to be saved. I'm coming to him saying, Lord, I, I made a list of all my good works. Here it is. It's yours. I mean, yeah. that's you need to accept this. Let me in, please. Yeah. I, I, this is my ticket. You need to punch it. And God says, well, there's a blood spot on there that hasn't been punched. Yeah. The blood of my son. Uh, you never let me apply that to your filthy rags so yeah. that you could be washed clean. And that picture is important for us because all of our righteousnesses, you know, as Isaiah says, are filthy rags before him. So, it, you know, and I don't know if you've looked at this, but the language is awful about the filthy rag. It is the... Yes. The, uh -huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's rather disgusting in, in, mm -hmm. in its nature. And, and So you have this list that you're super proud of, and you said it before him, and he backs away like, get that filthy, nasty garment mm -hmm. away from me. We would even consider it filthy. Oh, nasty. yes. Before him, If absolutely. you study it out to find yeah. out what that filthy rag is... Yeah. It's filthy. It's offensive. It, it yes. really is. And we have we to certainly see it that wouldn't way. accept it. <laughs> no, no, no would no one would grab onto that with any excitement at all. We would question what this person was even trying to do. And Isaiah is an interesting person to read from in this with this topic because in Isaiah sixty one ten, you you read sixty four six, but Isaiah sixty one ten, Isaiah says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. Mm -hmm. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. So Isaiah tells us that God's going to supply the garment. And that takes us to Matthew 22 where the, you know, the man coming into the mm -hmm. king's um, wedding party for his son. The king says, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? Yep, yep. And the man's speechless. The point is the same. The king provides the garment. Don't mm -hmm. come in here with your own clothes. It's offensive to the king. He has what he wants you to wear. And whatever you thought was a good idea is no longer a good idea. Mm -hmm. so, so there's a really neat picture Love there it. in Isaiah. And, and we, we're talking about Isaiah 64 and Isaiah 61 because we want to encourage people. Don't be offended uh, that there's only one way, that it's just Jesus. Um, Peter says in Acts 4.12, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The, the one name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, as Peter reveals that to the council. So don't be frustrated that there's a way, or just one way, but be excited that there is a way and, and pursue that passionately. You know, that, that works in our life. If, if you know there's something available to cure you of an ailment, uh, we, we don't complain to the doctor that there should be more than one medicine. If, it, if they say this is all that we have that works, yep. but it works, we take it gladly because the <laughs> ailment right. is plaguing us. Mm -hmm. And so this, this is a strange idea to like, well, that's offensive. How, why? It's yeah. not narrow in the fact that, that it uh, uh, excludes anyone. It's narrow in the fact that this is God's will. This is the way you come mm -hmm. to him. And he has all the right in the world yeah. to set that before us. And then we obviously with great thankfulness mm -hmm. come by the way that he has provided and yeah. know that it's sure.
Yes. It'll never be shaken. God's not going to back out on his promise. That's right. So those, those things are so comforting to me. He's mm-hmm. made it known to me. It's available to me, and I can do that. So we got to get Uncle Charlie in the water. we we got to talk <laughs> to him about yeah. the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's right. And his decision that he needs to make before he leaves this earth. So I think all of that is really good. There's a rich discussion about good deeds. Is being good good enough? And if, if you think it is, please share with us, without Jesus Christ, how that can be done in the Bible. Do you have any following uh, final thoughts about no, that? No, I, I think we've covered, I think, pretty much the questions that come up and the Lord's answer to those questions. Absolutely. It just comes down to confessing Jesus Christ. That's right. Am I going to submit to him or not? Obey him. If I will, God has promised rich blessings to anybody who comes. You you talked about the inclusiveness. Yes, it's narrow because it's only Jesus, but everybody is invited to come to Jesus. That's about as inclusive as you can get. (laughs) And so that that is the invitation. God so loved the world. Submit to Jesus and serve him in your life. Continue those good works you're already doing, but do it for the glory of Jesus. And the question's answered. You don't have to worry about it. That's awesome. I love it. Well, it's time for our trivia questions. So yes, everyone, sir. get on the edge of your seat. Get ready. <laughs> it's time to be nervous. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask the first question. I want to okay. set, set this up a little bit for All you right. and, and for everyone else. Um, what, what I've done now is I'm looking at Hebrews 11, and I want to find things in there, you know, the names that are mentioned because of their great faith, okay. to develop my trivia questions. So, so these people, not all of them, but some of them are found in Hebrews 11. And uh, we'll see how this works, how this plays okay. out. <laughs> if I have to quote Hebrews 11, you already got me. <laughs> no, 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 you don't have to quote. That's a long chapter. Yeah, um, beautiful one. So let, let's, here's an example. Okay. Question number one that came from my mind uh, looking at Hebrews 11. 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. There is a champion who went out from the camp of the Philistines. What's his name, and where is he from, according to 1 Samuel 17? Goliath. Uh, well, he's a Philistine, but I usually they'll give the town or, or the birthplace of an individual. And I want to stay, say Goliath of Gath, but I don't think that's correct. It is right. Oh, okay. Yeah, How Goliath from Gath. And I, you know... Okay. It's really interesting. <laughs> when, when you look at that, First Samuel, you know, uh, Saul's the first king of Israel. David's about to take the throne uh, in a few years, and we were told Goliath from Gath. You know mm-hmm. that he is he is one of most likely he is one of the Anakim. They're, they're mentioned as the sons of Anak, mm-hmm. and uh, that's in Numbers thirteen thirty three. When the spies come back, they say the sons of Anak are there, and we are grasshoppers right. in their sight. Yeah. Yeah. When when they finally take the land of Canaan, uh, Joshua eleven in verse twenty two. It's very interesting to me because we're wondering what is Goliath doing there. Like, how did they even make it after the conquest of the land? Joshua eleven twenty two says, None of the Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. They remained only in Gaza, in Gath, mm-hmm. and in Ashdod. All three are 
Those are three of the five major Philistine right, cities, Philistine too, cities, yeah. major city-states. Yep. So Goliath from Gath, I mean, we're told in Joshua 11 that they, not all of them were eliminated. And so here he is coming out of the camp. One other bonus, uh, that's uh, three questions now I've asked you. <laughs> three in one. One I'm other bonus fun. question. <laughs> okay. How, how many days did Goliath come out and challenge the uh, Was it, oh boy, 40. 40 days, yeah. morning and evening, we're told. And so that's found in 1 Samuel 17. Uh, the first five verses tell us about uh, the champion who came out from the camp of the Philistines. And just a few verses later, we're told that he came out 40 days, morning and evening both. For uh, almost a month and a half, this guy comes out every day, and the armies of Israel just stand there. Yeah, the reaction's the same. They're dreadfully afraid. Unbelievable. Tremble. But that's... if. If God is not in your heart, because of what we've been talking about, that's going to be the reaction. Yeah. The things of the world, you'll see some giant in front of you and tremble in fear. That's your earthly Instead response. Instead of going forward in the strength of the Lord and conquering, overcoming right. that trial. How dare you defy the army of yes. God. Awesome. Yes, uh, David was righteously indignant. <laughs> yes, he was. He was upset <laughs> because you are defying the God of Israel. Yeah. And David didn't like that. No, he even says to Goliath, all of this camp shall know. Yeah. And the Lord of hosts so is with it us. It wasn't about David at all. You know, I'm going to show everybody what a brave kid I am. No. It was about God. Yeah. You've insulted God. And we can't. And I'm, not, I'm just not going to permit that. That's awesome. Young that, boy. That kind of attitude pleases the Lord. Yes, sir. Okay, here's um, my first one's from the Old Testament also, specifically from Exodus, where... Uh, the, the entire mosaical system is being set up. God gives the design for the tabernacle and the items of furniture and the, the procedure of worship and everything, even down to the clothes that the high priest is going to wear, uh, the colors, the different items. He's also to have a turban on his head, and on that turban is going to be a gold plate with an inscription on it. Oh, man! What is the inscription on the gold plate for the on the turban of the high priest. Man, I don't know. It's interesting, as you ask the question, I'm thinking, okay, just ask me about the Urim and the Thummim. <laughs> yeah, what are the Urim and the Because that's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> oh, and I, I also thought... I'd like, be interested in your answer, because I sure <laughs> yeah. don't know what they were. <laughs> you can, can really like, say whatever you can I want. enlighten me. Yeah. Um, uh, but and then thinking about, oh no, what's the guy's name who was called upon to, with the, the gifts, the, the artisan gifts to, to make the bronze altar and all, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. what's his name? That's what you're going to ask me. And then you've got this inscription on a gold plate on, on his turban. I have no idea. Well, it's even mentioned twice it, it, in Exodus 28 <laughs> verses 36 and 37, God tells them, here's what I want. Then in chapter 39 verses 30 and 31, it's almost word for word repeated. But this is what they did. Okay. So it's emphasizing they did exactly what the Lord told them to do. Yes. And the inscription was holiness to the Lord. Wow. Holiness to Jehovah. What a title. Yeah. I, you know, I was thinking that's, that's what the high priest was supposed to be portraying yeah. to the people. Holiness to the Lord. So. What a charge. Mm. Wow. Especially with a group like that. Yep. Well, just another... Look what the Lord was doing for them, these constant reminders. Mm-hmm. Here's who I am. Here's how you can approach me. I want you to approach me, but it's got to be done this way. That's right. 
And they, okay, we'll approach you, but I've got a better idea. No, that's not going to work. Never filth, did. Don't bring your filthy rags before me. That's right. And don't bring injured animals. Yeah. All of, all of those things were there. That's a great question. Holy. Holiness to, to Jehovah. The, to the Lord. Yeah, to Jehovah. Holiness to the Lord. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Um, my second question, again, we're thinking about this guy's found somewhere in Hebrews, at least one of them is. Okay. Um, who are the two men in Scripture who did not see death? Enoch and Elijah. Very good. Enoch, Hebrews 11.5 tells us specifically, he did not see death. The Lord took him. Mm -hmm. uh, he walked with God and the Lord took him. He was not, uh, as we're told in Genesis. And so um, Elijah, we see that in 2 Kings 2.11, that uh, angel, I'm oh, sorry, a a flaming chariot yeah. descends from heaven in a whirlwind, and Elijah and Elisha are separated. Somehow they're they're pushed apart, and then Elijah's caught up in the chariot, and Elisha will see him no more. And uh, that's an interesting picture too, because the men of the city were telling Elisha, "We got to go look for your master, and we got to go look yeah. for you know maybe he, he dropped something." No, he's gone. He says, "No, you ain't gonna find him." And they go look anyway, don't yeah. they? He and says, they, okay, go look. And they, they come back and like, they're we can't just, find him. We can't find him. <laughs> well, yeah, what did I say? <laughs> I told you you weren't going to find him. Yep, the Lord took him away. Yeah, so that, I mean, imagine being in that select group. Mm. Two people in, in all of humanity. It's it appointed is, to it men is amazing. once to die. Yep. And after that, the judgment. Right. And then we have these two men. Wow, amazing. What's your second question for okay. me? Okay, this one's out of the New Testament. Okay. Uh, we know on two occasions that Jesus miraculously fed a crowd. He fed 5,000 and 4,000. Mm -hmm. uh, after he fed the 4,000, how many baskets of leftovers were taken up? Seven. Correct. Way to go, Danny. Yes. Ring the gong. Then those are different baskets. Yes, those that's are right. Big I'm, baskets. You're right. The the distinction is made from the time when he fed the five thousand. It just says they took up, I believe it was twelve, 12 baskets 12, full. But they were small. But yeah, apparently small because in Matthew fifteen thirty seven and Mark eight verses eight and nine it says they took up seven large baskets yes. of the uh, broken pieces of the bread. Yeah. So probably about as much as they picked up uh, on the. Feeding of the 5,000 occasion. It's just yeah. different sized baskets. Yeah. yeah, and that word basket, if I'm just recalling my, my own study in that, was that when Paul was lowered in a basket, it's the same word is used there. So if a human being can fit inside of it, yeah. it would be lowered. That's them. a pretty large basket. Yeah, it gives you an idea. So it's kind yeah. of a big basket they were filling. Which shows the abundant blessing of the Lord. He gave enough to satisfy the need and much more. He's and able to do that. It's mentioned again, isn't it? Because the, when Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, yeah. they say, oh, no, we forgot to we bring forgot bread. We forgot to bring some bread. <laughs> and he, the, what does he do guys. with it? He says, when we fed the 4,000, yeah. how many how baskets? How many baskets, yeah. And he makes them answer, you know. Mm -hmm. So that, that's really cool, too. So good, good questions, man. That's, that is good stuff. Yeah, yours were interesting, too. Good, good. approach. I'm going to try to find a few more from Hebrews 11 because I kind of like that's a, that. Oh, that's a great, that is a wonderful chapter. It sure is, and it's good for us to be familiar with it. And we hope you did well with your questions as well. We're always happy when you decide to join us and to study with us. Mm -hmm. uh, each, each of us here obviously have a desire, a strong desire, uh, to come closer to God, to, to grow closer to Him and in His Word. And, and we hope and pray always that it's the same for you. You know, will, will Uncle Charlie go to heaven? It's not really even the right question. The, the real question is, why has Uncle Charlie refused the garment 
that the Lord has provided. That's good, uh, yes. And if, if we're concerned about an individual in our life, um, don't be afraid to ask him that because we're talking about eternity. Mm-hmm. The, the, the weight of this is too great to just say, well, maybe they'll come around. No, keep planting the seed, keep watering. You know, look, yep. be, be wise about it. Look for good opportunities. Yes, you don't want to cram it down his throat. Yeah, we don't run people if off. If you really do love Uncle Charlie, you're going to tell him about Jesus. And he's going to see that in you. Yep. He, he knows you love him, you know, and he knows you believe. Let, let that have the impact that it's going to have. Another soul is saved. God is glorified. And, and we have continued to do the work he's called us to do. All that is wonderful. We hope that uh, as you move forward through the rest of your week, that you are blessed, that God keeps you in his care, and you're able to serve him faithfully with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. Amen.